It's good to see you all here. I'm blessed by being here. I'm blessed by the fellowship. I'm blessed by the singing and the teaching. And I'm blessed to get to speak today, and I hope to present (coughs) God's Word faithfully. (coughs) I... uh, This is a, the paper is a rough draft. I have, uh, I printed it right as I was leaving, and I have this that wasn't typed up this morning. I have additional notes that aren't typed in here. And it, the, uh, it's intended to be a group discussion, and, uh, and, First Corinthians, it talks about the prophets. Well, the uh, prophets that were in the New Testament, the, that they're the foundation of the church, that office doesn't exist anymore. But there are, the, there's the gift of prophecy that the Holy Spirit gives, and that is speaking God's word faithfully and uh, proclaiming the truth, not telling the future. And so uh, uh, in 1 Corinthians 14, it gives uh, just uh, some information about the, uh, the church working together. And in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, it talks about uh, the gifts of the Spirit that were in the early church. And we talked about the gifts of uh, tongues and prophecy. I was starting in 1 Corinthians 14, 22. Wherefore, tongues are for a sign not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. So prophesying is for people that believe, to edify and exhort the church. Verse 23, If therefore the whole church be come together into one place, and all speak with tongues, and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that you are mad? But if all prophesy, and one, there come in one that believeth not, or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, he is judged of all. And thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest, and so falling down on his face he will worship God, and report that God is in you of a truth. Verse 26, How is it the brethren... When you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation, that all things be done unto edifying. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, or at the most three, and that by course, and let one interpret. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church, and let him speak to himself and to God. Let the prophets speak two or three, and let the other judge. If anything be revealed to another that sitteth by, let the first hold his peace. For ye may all prophesy one by one, that all may learn, and all may be comforted. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. I want to point out in verse 27, if we had someone in our fellowship, a believer from another country, come in and start speaking Russian, it wouldn't be profitable to us unless there was someone who could speak Russian and translate for us. That would be a valid interpretation of this scripture. I, I'm not uh, prepared to go into speaking 
on uh, things I haven't studied about the gift of tongues. But as pointed out, if people are in the assembly, we all speak English, uh, some better than me, <laughs> there, but we all have, uh, that's the language we speak in. So if there was someone who was speaking a foreign language, we wouldn't understand unless there was an interpreter. I would say that's a valid interpretation of this scripture. But I want to point out that the prophecy is the gift of exhortation, edifying the church. People who, uh, now in the early church, it was the, uh, there was the office of the prophet. And in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, it talks about the apostles and prophets. It says they were the foundation of the church. Uh, Ephesians 2.20, excuse me. Talking about the household of God, Ephesians 2.20. said we are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So in the, of course, there were prophets that, that uh, there were prophets that Jesus had called the apostles of Christ. Mm-hmm. Yes. These prophets here are the prophets of the Old Testament, what we call the whole Old Testament. Isaiah, Jeremiah, even David was called a prophet yes. of God. So this is this is connecting the whole work of God that God has laid that foundation from the beginning so that when Christ was come mm-hmm. and the doctrine of Christ was uh, exposited that people would have something to anchor it to that this wasn't just a new thing that popped up in the earth yeah. this was a continuing work of God so people who say we can throw away the the, the first part uh-huh. everything that is before John the Baptist uh-huh. this contradicts that doctrine yes. they know <laughs> what the prophets said are valid. They weren't complete. They weren't made perfect without us. Yes. But they, what they said was still the truth, and the truth. And, and they truth. prophesied about Christ, and they. They uh, prophesied. It says they weren't all. They didn't know. They they searched diligently, but it was revealed to them that it wasn't for them. It wasn't the time yet. Yes. For the revelation of it, but it was established then, so that whenever it was revealed. Like Peter said, this is that which the prophet Joel said. Even Jesus reached back and grabbed things. Paul reached back and grabbed things so that the people would know, no, this is, this is the truth. This is something God has established beforehand. Amen. Amen. Yeah, well, it says, let the prophet speak. See, the prophets are speaking in harmony. You know, the prophets that are in the church are speaking in complete harmony with the prophets that God sent in the past. It's a, that's what such a, I think, that's the way I got what you said. This is a whole, this is unity. He, God hasn't changed his course. So in the church, when they speak on the edification and comfort and exhortation, see, they're, they're drawing, they can reach back and take a prophecy that the prophet that said it didn't even understand the implications of it, and they can tie it into what Christ has done. That's unity. And, and, yes, and, it is. and the revelation I'm talking about. And, uh, we, can, we can do that because we have the same spirit. 
Now, see, they didn't have it like we have it, but they still, it was the same spirit that was manifesting to them, let's just say, is also in you, helping you to see what's, what, who Christ is, what he's doing, you know, what, what, are the, what are the functions of the body of Christ. When you understand that and you speak, you know, it, it's in complete harmony. It, Genesis 1-1 to Revelation, to the end of Revelation, it's all one Revelation. Yeah, it's not a different message. That's right. People get kind of hung up on some of the terminology. Whenever we talk about, well, remember there were the sons of the prophets. Yeah, that's right. In the in the scriptures, we don't know who they were. We know that they they pressed on um, Elisha to go find his master. Yeah. <laughs> until he was ashamed, and then he went looking for him. He told him God took him, but there was it's it's uh, it's what they do. It, it, the, now the apostles were unique mm -hmm. and they had a special like today there can't be an apostle like the apostle John or yeah. the apostle Paul remember Paul was three years That's right. in the Arabian desert That's right. fellowshipping with the Lord That's right. Yes. and he knew of Christ but the others they say, he says he was as one born out of due season That's right. he, was, he was unique among the apostles uh -huh. But the the twelve, and that included Matthias, mm -hmm. that uh, replaced the office of Judas. I mean, uh, Judas. That they had to have been with Christ yeah. from his baptism through his ascension. Yes. They had to be personal witnesses. Mm -hmm. They had to be with him day and night, so they could testify that there was no variance. That's right. In in what he he said about himself. Mm -hmm. They were witnesses. And he gave them a special dispensation. Mm -hmm. Now in that respect, there are no apostles. There are apostles of the church. Barnabas was yes. an apostle yeah. of the church. Uh -huh. But when it comes to prophesying, that's speaking forth the word of God with understanding. We've yeah. got a lot of yackers today uh -huh. that say that what they're doing is preaching, mm -hmm. but whenever you compare that with the scripture, you can't support that claim. Yeah. But a person who has understanding mm -hmm. and speaks mm -hmm. the word, there doesn't have to be like an official office. This yeah. is our prophet yeah. right yeah. here. That's right. We're we're prophets when we're prophesying, mm -hmm. but we don't have the office of a prophet. I have. More handouts. I didn't get folded. If uh, they just fold in half and they go in order. If uh, mm -hmm. there's more people here tonight, you have a chance to fold them all. <laughs> on page, uh, yes. And this, um, this thing about the apostles of the Lamb in Revelation 21:14. I don't know if you have this in your lesson, but it says that the wall of the city had 12 foundations. This is very critical. Because it's highlighting the ministry of these 12 men, right? Yes. Had 12 foundations, and in them, the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Yes. Because they had special revelation about who Jesus was, who, what he was doing, what he was sent by God to accomplish. They had special insight into that. So God says they're the foundation, all right? And, and not just of here, 
All right, it says there it's of the new Jerusalem, the the foundation. They the, their ministry is 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 going to carry on because what they said is true, right? It's yes. the truth, and the truth can't change. So in the ages to come, we're still going to be go, uh, believing the same truth that the apostles taught. Yes. So this is a critical, critical you know, like you said, and you you're saying is that. The church can send out apostles or a messenger, someone who carries a message, but it's not the same. Yes. They don't have the same anointing as as um, the apostles of the Lamb. Yes. There's uh, In the handout, if you have one, on the bottom of page 4, the page uh, 1, 2, well, 2 and 3, and most of 4, we talked about on Thursday evening. But on uh, at the bottom of page 4, I say I assert the office of apostle is not still valid today. And when the twelve apostles died out, that also died out. There was, uh, of course, Paul was a special case. He was called by God directly when he was on the road to Damascus. Now we have uh, on page five. I put down the apostles of Christ. And there's information here about uh, well, the apostles were special men chosen by Jesus. They were with him from the beginning to be chosen to be witnesses. And uh, they're called the Apostles of the Lamb in Revelation uh, 21, 4. And in 1 Thessalonians 2, 6, they're called the Apostles of Christ. So that's the terminology I'm using in here. The Apostles of Christ or the Apostles of the Lamb. These were the, we're speaking of the 12. Now, of course, there's a special, uh, you know, Judas Iscariot was one of the 12, and Jesus had chosen him, and he betrayed Jesus. And he went out and hanged himself. And so in Acts chapter 1, you see when they were, uh, Peter, mm-hmm. interpreting correctly a prophecy in the Psalms, realized, well, we got to have another apostle. Mm-hmm. This is in Acts chapter 1. And then they ended up choosing, had two to choose from, and they cast lots and got Matthias to be a replacement for <laughs> Judas Iscariot. And the qualifications are in uh, Acts 1, 21 and 22, speaking of how they knew which apostle, which person would be qualified to be apostle. Acts 1, 21, Wherefore, these men which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until that same day he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. So they were, the purpose was to be a witness of his resurrection. They had to see him all the way from the time that he was baptized, all through his ministry, his death, burial, and resurrection. Sister June? Yeah. Also, whenever it says they cast lots, that is highlighting the fact that this ultimately, they were led by God himself for the selection. There's yeah. nothing about the 12 that God left to the whim of, of mankind. Right. That, yeah. that he, he set the standard, but he also, they found two that would qualify. And they didn't just draw straws. Whenever it says they cast lots, it, it goes back to the scripture. The lot is cast, but the whole disposing thereof is the Lord's. So, and also to um, a reference, perhaps to the Urim and the Thummim. Yes. Um, so it wasn't just drawing straws. Well, either one, we'll just choose one. God had a, he's, he chose. The apostles. We can find that uh, Jesus initially chose his 
apostles. It's recorded in uh, Matthew chapter 10 and Luke 6, Luke 6, when he chose the 12 and he gave the names of them. And then um, in Acts 1, verse 2, he gave them special commandments. These are not commandments he gave to other ordinary people. Acts 1, 2, speaking of Jesus, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. So we don't know everything he talked about. It doesn't say. It does say he told them to wait in uh, Jerusalem until the promise of the Holy Spirit came. But we don't know what other commandments he gave. It's not recorded. Now we do know that when he sent them out in uh, Acts chapter 9, 1 and 2, they went uh, out by twos preaching. Now this is special gifts that he gave to them, abilities, the ability to... uh, heal people. Of course, they went preaching, casting out demons. Acts 9, 1 and 2, the speaking of Jesus. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And so those are uh, special abilities he gave to them. And I put down here they have special abilities and gifts and callings, responsibility and authority that did not transfer to any supposed successors. And uh, we'll get to apostolic succession and I believe that's a false concept. I'll just briefly point out if if they they chose Judas, uh, Judas Iscariot killed himself and they chose a replacement. And Acts 12, when when James, the brother of John, was beheaded, why didn't they choose a replacement? It doesn't mention that. I mean, that's just one thing to consider. Okay, well, we're not talking about replacing. We're talking right. about that everything is still coming directly from God. Yeah. And uh, I reject that because uh, I'm aware that people have used this, the fact that the 12 were unique in every respect. They were the apostles of the Lamb. They were the ones that Jesus said, "I, you're going to bear my word." Yeah, yeah. They did. They had a special dispensation, Mm -hmm. and it was the wisdom of God. Yeah. So that everybody wasn't going around and speaking everything. These twelve had a unified message. They were all witnesses. They all spoke the same thing. They testified to the same thing. They had. The anointing of God for that, for that's what God gave them to do, and He gave them grace to do it. Now, there are no apostles the same as they, but there's no nothing in Scripture that indicates that God can't still work as He pleases. Like for example, healing people who say that whenever the apostles die. Healing quit. That's not the truth. There's not any record of that. When the when the apostles died, Mm -hmm. now whenever it talks about speaking in tongues, Mm -hmm. Paul said, "I forbid not to speak in tongues. Mm -hmm. I speak in tongues more than you all, but I'd rather speak, you know, a few words with your with the understanding than a thousand that you can't understand because it's the point is edification. Mm -hmm. But now they were going to places." Where they had never learned the language. That's right. 
and they were still able either to speak or to understand and interpret mm -hmm. to people. Where that's needed and God pleases, that can still happen. Any of the things here, God has not quit doing anything, but he's doing it according to his wisdom and for his glory. He doesn't give men these powers willy-nilly. Yes. Uh, in uh, Luke 24, 48, the reason Jesus has his disciples, they were to be witnesses of these things. So this is what he said to them right before he ascended into heaven. In Acts, uh, Luke 24, 48, he says, You are witnesses of these things. They saw the suffering. They saw his death and him rising from the dead on the third day. And so they went out preaching and they were witnesses of him. And these special, the, these special apostles, the 12 apostles of Christ, are the foundation of the church. We looked at Ephesians 2. As we look at 1 Corinthians 3, 10 and 11. It also discusses that the apostles are the foundation. We don't lay another foundation again. Paul is saying, 1 Corinthians 3.10, According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. Well, Paul was an apostle. In fact, he was apostle to the Gentiles. He said, He laid the foundation, another buildeth thereon, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. He says, No, he's not saying we're building another foundation. We're building on the foundation which is already laid. Amen. And when we say the apostles and prophets are the foundation, which is what it says in Ephesians 2, in reality, the church is built on Christ. He is the rock on which the church is built. And it points that out here in 1 Corinthians 3.11, For other foundation can no man lay than that which that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So we have Jesus Christ as the bedrock. He's the rock the church is built on, the prophets and apostles. And then the church is built on that. And Christ is the one doing the building. So, but Paul's pointing out that he was, uh, he laid the foundation. And so, when you build a house, you don't build a house and put, build a foundation and build a house and then build another foundation later. I mean, you got build a foundation once, is a point I want to make. And I have some uh, scriptures that refer that Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Uh, you can look those up at some time. But it's, it was prophesied in Psalms and Isaiah. Jesus was telling them uh, the, those that that uh, knew the scriptures all the Jews knew the scriptures but there were some that studied the scriptures the scribes and the Pharisees he said search the scriptures for in them you think you have life but they are they which testify of me mm -hmm. and, then, and then further on in that same passage he says you have one that testifies against you. He told him he wasn't the one. He says, but even Moses, if you don't believe his writings, how can you believe my words? Mm -hmm. Yep. The, uh, the prophets spoke of Christ and uh, 
So these scriptures point out that Jesus himself is the rock. Yes. And the cornerstone, too. So uh, the, we have the apostles of Christ, the 12 that Jesus chose. Now, John, uh, Apostle Paul is a special case. He was called the apostle to the Gentiles. That's, right. uh, that's in Romans uh, David, I, I liked your comment about once you build a foundation, then you don't have to have another one, right? You're, right. It's already laid. The foundation's already done. And um, then what do you do? Well, you start building on it, right? And that's what God did. He, he laid the foundation. Mm-hmm. He sent Christ, took away sin. But during that time, that three-year period that he ministered, he laid a foundation in these men. He laid a foundation. And I see their, their testimony and their witness as they went out preaching the gospel, what they were building on this foundation. Okay, this foundation, it, it has a structure that's built on top of it. And so it, 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 if, if we teach something that is not in, 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 um, in, in line or in, in agreement with what the apostle said, you're building on another foundation. They, they gave us the premise. They gave us the, the, the doctrine. It's called the Apostles' Doctrine. And anything that's taught has got to be in agreement with what they taught. Otherwise, it's not from God. It's just the way it is. And we're to say, well, but I, I, this is what I believe. Well, I, that's fine. You can believe it. But it doesn't make it real. doesn't make it right. doesn't make it from God. It's every single thing that God's teaching or, or is revealing to the prophets in the church today, those that speak unto edification, yeah. comfort, and exhortation, are, is in agreement with these apostles. That's, why, that's the whole reason why I laid it. Otherwise, because we have an enemy that's, that's walking around, and he's seeking to devour. Through what? Through manipulation of this doctrine. Right. If he can get this doctrine skewed off in, in a different direction, you will be moved off the foundation. And, of course, anything that's not built on the foundation, when, when, when Jesus comes back, it's just going to cease to exist, right? Because it's not built on this foundation. That's why it's so critical. It's so critical that we stay with all of our doctrine, all of our teaching has to stay in alignment with what these apostles taught. Right. Amen. Exactly. Um, I want to look at Jude chapter, uh, Jude 1, 17. Mm-hmm. And he, he says, Beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that'd be another title. The apostles of Christ, the apostles of the Lamb, the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. These are the men we're speaking about who built the foundation. The twelve and Paul. And I want to point out in Luke chapter 6, 13, when Jesus called his disciples, he says, he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose 12, whom he also named apostles. So I want to point out they were called by Jesus, chosen by Jesus, and named apostles by Jesus. It's not something they took to themselves. They didn't name themselves apostles or choose themselves. In Second uh, Timothy 1, 11, it says they were appointed to be apostles. This is Second uh, Timothy one eleven. This is Paul speaking. You follow way down uh, in Second Timothy one one. It says Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. So he's identifying himself as who he is. Uh, 
And then, in verse 11, he says, I am appointed a preacher and apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. So he was an apostle to the Gentiles. Appointed. Yeah, that's right. And God is the one who appointed him. In uh, 1 Corinthians 4.9, he describes that he was, uh, the apostles were set forth by God. And he, it's in the middle of another topic. I just want to point out, he said, I think that God hath set forth us apostles, the apostles last, as it were appointed to death. By the way, with the exception of John, all the apostles died horrible, gruesome deaths. They were appointed to death. But I want to point out that God set forth the apostles. So it was not something they chose themselves. In uh, 1 Corinthians 1.1, 1, 1, it says they were called through the will of God. And that, uh, so Paul identifies himself, 1 Corinthians 1.1, 1, 1, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. So these are all things that did not, it's not something he decided, well, I'm going to be an apostle now. Yeah. And uh, there were, in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, it describes these apostles. They were set in the church by God. Of course, it mentions the, uh, the gifts of God here. 1 Corinthians 12, 28, God hath set some in the church. First, apostles, secondarily, prophets, thirdly, teachers. And it goes through a list of uh, gifts. Verse 29, are all apostles or all prophets? Obviously, no. We have the those who were given to be apostles, Ephesians 4.11, talks about God giving people to be apostles. Uh, and it's related to Jesus descending and ascending. Ephesians 4.11, he gave some apostles and some prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. And the purpose is for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Obviously, not all are apostles, not all are prophets. And there is the uh, apostles of the Lamb, apostles of Christ, unlike any other men in existence. Mm -hmm. And uh, in, I see a typo here, but uh, in John 17, 18, when Jesus was praying, he said he sent out these men into the world. So, uh, the requirement of being an apostle of Christ was you had to see the risen Lord. We, read, we looked at Acts one twenty two, and uh, in Act, Romans eleven thirty three it says that Paul was an apostle to the Gentiles. So we have the twelve, Paul the apostle to the Gentiles. It records how he saw the risen Lord. And in uh, Acts nine, he was on his way to Damascus. He had letters that he was going to uh, take Christians and throw them in jail, and uh, he by his own hand, many, many Christians were persecuted and killed. Uh, and in Acts 9, he was on his way to uh, go to the synagogue with letters, uh, giving him authority, and Jesus intervened. Uh, Acts 9, 3, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shone round about him, shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? 
And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And trembling and astonished said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. So that is a, his vision of the risen Lord. But also in 1 Corinthians 9, 1, go down to verse 17. In Acts 9, 17. Now, he was blinded, and so he went into the city, and Ananias was sent to him to recover his sight and to teach him about Jesus. Verse 17, And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way, as thou camest, hath sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Ananias knew that he had seen the Lord. And in 1 Corinthians 9, 1, Paul is... Uh, also verifying that he saw the Lord. And uh, again, he's going to that qualification for an apostle. First uh, Corinthians 9, 1, Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? So he's pointing to that fact that he saw Christ risen. He doesn't mention that there, but he, he didn't see him before he was dead, he's talking about the glorified Amen. Christ. And go to 1 Corinthians 15, which is where we, this is the basis of the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 11. Then I want to point to, uh, he talks about all the people he saw. Jesus was crucified, buried in the tomb for three days, raised from the dead. Verse 5, he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve, after that he was seen of above, of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and verse 8, and last of all he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. So he points his apostleship as that he had seen Christ. And Luke writes that these apostles were, uh, he, he interviewed eyewitnesses, that's Luke 1, 2. And Apostle John, of course, he had touched, seen, handled, mm -hmm. he had heard the word of life, looked upon the word of life. That's so, so you can't emphasize this too much, that they had seen Christ. Amen. The next point I would like to make is that the apostles were used by God to establish the doctrinal foundation of the church. Amen. We looked at Ephesians 2, 20. The foundation is only built once, does not need to be rebuilt again. The foundation is not still being built. The task of laying the foundation of the doctrine, we are to believe, was done by the apostles and prophets. This is known as the apostles' doctrine. In Acts 2, 42, we find out that is what they continued in. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. In 2 Timothy 3.14, that also it describes what they were to continue in. And uh, Paul was writing to his uh, young Timothy, who is, he's appointed to be a minister. He says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. We learned them from Paul. Paul was an apostle. Mm -hmm. I don't know that he learned from the other apostles. He certainly probably came in contact with them. But he, 
he taught what was delivered unto him. At one point, it was the, the faith that was once delivered in Jude. It talks about that. So the things he was to teach were what had already been delivered unto him, the things that he has received, and knowing that who... So if, if I know who wrote the, the New Testament, the apostles wrote the New Testament, yeah, right. I can trust them because they saw Christ. They were with him. And he, they were appointed by Christ, chosen by Christ. That's the doctrine I can trust. Second uh, Peter chapter 3, it again talks about this. Second Peter 3, 1 and 2. This second epistle, beloved, I now write to you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. I guess that would be another title, The Apostles of the Lord and Savior. I'm going to note my paper here. You know, the, brother Dave, the, um, one of the complicating factors um, that we find today in our generation is that um, there's been a wave of translations that have watered down the testimony of the apostles. Now, how they've done it is they, they, they say, well, it's okay to reword it. We'll put it in our own language. Put it in our own vernacular. We're just, you know, there's even a street Bible. Where you, we just put it in the slang language. of. But the problem is, is that it waters down this testimony of the apostles. It takes our doctrine and it brings it down to where it, it, it doesn't have the same effect. Now, I was reading something in the uh, Pope of Commentaries. Uh, yesterday that they were talking about Hebrews 1 1. And they were and they were glorying in the fact they see they understood the, to the Greek. They understood the Hebrew. They, these scholars did. And 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 the, the one scholar said that e- even in the English it just doesn't bring the the, the harmony of, of the language itself. The language it was it was spoken in. And he says, you know, it, 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 it's good. It, it, the, the version, the King James version he was talking about is good. You know, it, it shows you the truth that's there, but it, there's just something to do with language. So see, every language is not the same. Every interpretation, uh, it, 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 as you re, retranslate it, retranslate it, see, something is lost. It can be. Now, you know, when you look at the version of Scripture, people say, well, I can, whatever version I want. Well, this is how I judge a version, by what it does. What has it done in the people? What, what your version, what has it worked in you? Has it worked in you, carefulness, to, 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 to know what these apostles said, to know what they taught, to know what the apostles' doctrine is? Or is it more of a, you know, it's, it just, it, it, has it created a casualness in you? You know, I, I'm not the judge of that. We all have to be judges of our of our own self. What what is it working in you? Your the translation that you've given yourself to. You know, it this is um in in this is like a flood. Okay, I can see where the enemy's done this. This is like a flood of translations to where all of a sudden it. What is the word of God? What you know you can. You have 50 different translations that calls itself the Bible. Well, what do you do? Well, um, obviously, there's only one word, right? Yeah. And, that, and the word's in heaven at the right hand of God. And he, there is, 
I, I have no doubt that in all these translations, there's a, there's a, there's a bit of truth. Okay, and, and if a person's serious, God's going to lead them. But this is also a dangerous thing. When you start watering down what God's, what God's given us now, you know, I'm sure every generation had their arguments for this, and I'm not, I'm not creating a new one. I'm just saying, for each of us, we have to be very careful what we allow in and believe is truth. It needs to line up with, with what the apostles actually said. So, yes, anyway, yeah. it's, See, this is a... This is a point why we have prophets and apostles. Yes. It says, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, yes. but yes. holy men of God spake right. as they were moved yes. by the Holy Ghost. See, this is, even when our, our young ones read the scripture, there's, there's a reverence with the knowledge that we're not just reading a book. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's that this, right. this is the revelation of God to men. Yes. It's the Holy Bible. Uh, on most of our Bibles, I think it actually says that. Holy Bible. It's separate from all other works. And it's uniquely identified with God himself. Amen. They're words of life. I want to say that uh, early on in this class, my mind was changed on something. And I thank you, Sister June. When I had been studying Ephesians 2.20 about the apostles and prophets being the foundation, I was thinking along the lines of the New Testament prophets. But I could see, though there were prophets that assisted the church, it's talking about the Old Testament prophets. And thank you for clarifying that. And so I probably need to go through and edit this. So this is a rough draft. Mm -hmm. I, I hate to hand out a rough draft, but it's what I had mm -hmm. when I printed it out. And so, uh, uh, but thank you for pointing that out to me. Um, in the time left, I want to point out that the, these apostles of Christ had special abilities and privileges, rights, uh, for instance, binding and loosing, they had signs and wonders and miracles they did to verify their message. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to point out that Christ himself was apostle and high priest. Speak. Apostle is someone who is sent. Christ was sent by God. Mm -hmm. He was sent into the world to be the savior of the world. And so he is the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. And there's numerous scriptures pointing to him being sent, and Brother Given has covered those well in his mm -hmm. study of John. So in the, the, Christ himself was sent by God. He's an apostle. And our next point would be the apostles of the church. We talked about that some on Thursday evening. Mm -hmm. These were people who were sent by a church or to a church, messengers of a church. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's several of them. For instance, uh, Acts 14, verse 14, talks about the apostles, Paul and Barnabas. Well, Barnabas was not one of the twelve. He was not apostle to the Gentiles, but he was called an apostle along with Paul. Well, obviously, he was sent to be a missionary to these people where they were going. Acts 14, 14, they were going to sacrifice to them. And the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of it. Well, in what sense could he be called an apostle? He wasn't one of the twelve chosen by Christ. He was sent by a church or a messenger of a church. I'm going to point out also there was uh, Titus. In English, it 
says he is a messenger of the church. Second Corinthians eight twenty three. If you have a, a Strong's concordance, you can look up that word messenger there, and in, in this case, it would be the same Greek word used for apostle. So, in that sense, that he was a messenger of the church. Second Corinthians eight twenty three. In that case, he would be an apostle of the church. He was. Uh, it doesn't use that word in the English. I want to point that out. It says messenger in English. But in, in the sense that he was an apostle of the church, he also talks about, that's a, 2 Corinthians 8.23, Epaphroditus, who was a messenger, or in the Greek underlying that, would use the same term for apostle. Not the same as apostle of Christ, but a messenger of the church. That's Philippians 2.25. We have Barnabas. We have uh, two people named Andronicus and Junia. Romans 16.7 says they are of note among the apostles. It could be just they were well known by the apostles, and I'm certainly open to that interpretation. It could be that they were these apostles of the church who were sent by the church who were recognized. Now that, what uh, I want to point out, it says James, the Lord's brother, is called an apostle. Galatians 1.19. So there were other people who were called apostles, but I would say small a apostles, apostles of the church, not apostles of the Lamb. In Galatians 1.19, it says, now James, there's James who is in the Bible, uh, it was in Acts 12, he was killed by Herod, executed. But in Galatians 1.19, now this is James, the Lord's brother, who was not a believer at the time Jesus died. He, he became a believer later. They were, uh, I believe it was Mary Magdalene was sent to to his brethren and t- said to meet him in Galilee. Well, after his death, Jesus' brothers believed in him. We have Jude, the Lord's brother, and now James is called an apostle, not the same as the 12 apostles, but Galatians 1.19. But other of the apostles saw none save James, the Lord's brother. That's not James of uh, Peter, James, and John. That was the son of Zebedee. So I just want to point out, there's a sense in which there would be an apostle who is not one of the twelve, uh, a small a. I say there's uh, no more apostles of Christ. There are people who are sent out by churches. Now the danger is there's false apostles. And there's a couple of scriptures. Many imposters in organized religion have risen through the centuries, backing up their supposed claims of apostleship from the false concept of apostolic succession, taking under themselves apostleship, claiming false visions of Christ and backing up their supposed claims to be apostles with lying signs and wonders. If a person claimed today to be an apostle equal to the twelve apostles of the Lamb, it would be worthwhile to point out such persons would be qualifying to be false apostles and deceitful workers. Second Corinthians eleven thirteen. Now you notice that these are Satan's apostles. 2 Corinthians 11.13, but it's, they're, it talks about uh, those who, such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. So they're pretending to be apostles of Christ. And uh, verse 14, And no marvel, Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Verse 15, Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed into as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to the works. So there's ministers who 
I would say, pretending to be ministers of the Word who are ministers of Christ. And that is a thing just to be discerning about it. In Revelation 2, Jesus gave commendation to the church at Ephesus. And here's the words he says. Revelation 2, verse 2, speaking to Ephesus. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil and hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and hast found them liars. So there are some people who had called themselves apostles who were not. And they, they were, uh, he gave commendation to Ephesus to tell them that they were doing the right thing by uh, not recognizing people as apostles who were not apostles. When uh, Judas Iscariot committed suicide, the apostles chose a successor. And we talked about that, that uh, God directed them choosing Matthias. Well, I want to point out, uh, it says, Matthias was chosen as a replacement and considered one of the twelve apostles. If the idea of apostles, apostolic succession is true, well, I claim it's false, but if it's true, why did the twelve apostles of Christ not choose a successor after James was executed by Herod the king. And that's in Acts 12, 1 and 2. He was beheaded. I believe it doesn't, I don't think it says that he was beheaded, but it talks about uh, Acts 12, 1 and 2. About that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And he was getting ready to take Peter and do the same to him. He put him in jail and but they prayed, and that's when Peter escaped from prison. So uh, here, here, here's just a thought. Paul told Timothy and Titus about the, uh, the role of elders and deacons, and there is instructions, qualifications for ordaining elders and deacons, and those are in uh, 1 Timothy 3 and Titus chapter 1. So this would be, obviously, there is going to be people in the church who were elders and deacons, and there's instructions for that. But if there were to be a series of replacement apostles to replace those that died, where is the list of qualifications and instructions for them? I mean, it doesn't exist. Apostolic succession is a patently false idea, and many horrendous evils have been propagated by such notions of a permanently continuing apostolic succession. So... When a church sends out missionaries, they're sending out apostles of the, of the church, not apostles of the Lamb. That's right. When, uh, in times past, my mind was affected by delusions, mm-hmm. believing false teaching and false things. And a public, we want to renounce. There are a couple of times that, at the time, well, I, uh, in 1993, there was a, a, I went into a trance state at the hands of, I believe, a false teacher. And it was, uh, it was, uh, nothing good came of that. It was, And another time, 
more recently. But, and I had, at different times, probably back in the 1980s, I was at a church and I believed I had a word from the Lord. And I wrote it down and I read it to the church. And this is a word from the Lord. I'm glad God did not strike me dead right then. This is, this is an area to tread in very lightly. Now, we want to fully acknowledge the work of the Holy Spirit. We want to, but we want to use spiritual discernment. And I want to publicly renounce. I want to only teach God's word. Now, God gives people understanding and knowledge to be able to interpret that correctly. But that's the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And that's what we want to, as a prophet, not like one of the Old Testament prophets or uh, I have the Spirit of God to enable me to understand and to preach faithfully God's Word. But uh, there was, uh, read Deuteronomy 18, it talks about if there was a false prophet, what should be done? Now we're under the New Covenant. God takes vengeance. In the Old Covenant, false prophets were to be put to death. If they said something that did not come true, they were to be put to death. That is not anything we're to do. We're to ignore false prophets. And I would point out, we read this, there's a church I was a part of 25 years ago that is following a modern-day apostle named Terry Virgo, who uh, he has two, at least 200 churches that are under him, and he's an authority as an apostle over those churches. Uh, well, Revelation talks about those who uh, commanding of the church in Ephesus for seeing that there were people who were not apostles and not recognizing them. The New Apostolic Reformation, that's a new thing that's come up recently in modern times, is populated by men like Terry Virgo, who claim to be apostles with authority over hundreds of churches. The New Apostolic Reformation is full of false prophets, such as Mike Bickle of IHOP in Kansas City, Paula White, Sandy Jacobs, Rick Joyner. In addition, I want to warn you of modern-day false teachers such as Rob Bell and Rick Warren. This is a serious thing. I don't want to just be a bummer. I don't want to just point out the negative thing. But Jesus said, don't be deceived. And there's deception going on everywhere. I just want to point people to the truth that is in Jesus, the foundation of the apostles and prophets, as recorded in the Bible. And uh, thank you for putting up with my rough draft. It's a work in progress, and at some point I may finish it in a I wanted to have something to hand out to you, and it, I just bit off more than I could chew. I've been working on it day and night for three days, <laughs> and it's still not enough time. But I want to, I want to thank God for this fellowship. Amen. I want to thank God for the people in this fellowship that do have the gift of prophecy. And by that I mean they have the Spirit of God enabling them to faithfully teach God's word. The foundation that has already been laid is what I'm talking about. The exhortation and edification. And that's, I want to say thank you. I've learned so much from being here. 
In fact, today, as I revealed, I learned during our lesson here. And I've learned very much from Brother Given, and Sister June, Brother Robert, Brother James, Brother Marty, uh, Brother Justin. I don't want to leave anybody out, but I've learned so much from all of you, all of you. And I just want to say thank you. And I'm glad to have the opportunity. But I wish Brother Given was back. Yes. A good closing quotation from scripture is for the testimony of Jesus yeah. is the spirit of prophecy. That's right. Amen. We want to lift up Jesus. Yes. Right. Amen. And, and no matter where you read, it's That's the right. testimony of Jesus yeah. is the spirit of prophecy. Another scripture that I saw and I want to close with this one is in Second Peter. Mm-hmm. Speaking of prophecy. Mm-hmm. Now suppose you personally were able to see Jesus. Peter describes that he did see Jesus. He describes the transfiguration in 2 Peter chapter 1. He describes the voice. He he describes what he saw. But here's what he said. Verse 19. But we have a more sure word of prophecy. This is the word of prophecy. Whereunto ye do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. So we have that more sure word of prophecy, and I encourage you to stick close to it and study it and believe it. And uh, Amen. thank you. Amen. Brother Justin. Yeah, Jesus said, he said, if any man will do his will, wants to do the will of God, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. And he said, my sheep hear my voice. So we, we preach Christ. We put him at the center of everything. Amen. And the those who are really have a love for the truth and have a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, they'll know that that, that what you're teaching is coming from God. Yes. Yes. Amen. Thank you, brethren. Well, we're going to break for a short meal and fellowship and uh, have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this fellowship. We want to lift up high the name of Christ. Lord, we want to proclaim the truth. Lord, I thank you for the apostles and prophets that are the foundation of the church and Jesus being our rock and cornerstone. Lord, I pray that we would be faithful witnesses of you and I thank you for the blessings that we have in Christ. And I thank you for this meal and I pray that it will be a blessing to our bodies as we bless one another with our words. And we ask for a blessing on Brother Given that you will bring him back And in the meantime, you're keeping his mind active as he's writing and studying. We thank you for all the blessings you give us. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen.